the creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I established my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth, God said. This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So when was the last time you heard a sermon on Genesis? It's not common, right? Genesis is one of those books that we study in Sunday school, that we uh, do in vacation Bible school, that we maybe hear a reference to here or there when we're talking about um, how God made the earth and all the things in it. But we often don't preach on Genesis. And uh, today, I just feel like this is one of those uh, passages that we often overlook. We catch the story today at the very end of the story. And so it's really worth us recounting and going back to the beginning of it and kind of working our way through it. Think of it as your recap right before the sermon. Uh, when you think about the programs nowadays, they always start off with what? A two-minute recap of what happened to prior episodes so you can be caught up before you go forward. And you almost need to do that in the story because there is so much, so much in this story. I mean, there's about five chapters worth of much in this. But I'm going to try to hit the highlights. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humans was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was evil continually. And God decided to wipe out all living things on the earth. Now think about this. God was practically going to use a mulligan. He was basically saying, ah, we're going to start over because this is not going well. We're going to start over because evil has taken over and he has set itself in the heart of mankind, and it is going rampant, and we're just going to start over. But the scripture tells us that God found Noah righteous in his generation. He found the family, out of all the families that existed at that point on the earth, that he found blameless compared to his generation. He said, I can't just wipe out that one family. I can't do it. It wouldn't be just. It wouldn't be righteous. It wouldn't be fair. I can't do that. And so God set in motion plans to save that one family. 
I want you to think about that because it would have been easy for God to just say, nah, let's just wipe it all out. Let's start over. Nobody's going to be around to judge me. Nobody's going to tell me that I did it wrong. I'm God. I can do whatever I want. But God's own nature would not allow this to be so. God couldn't do it. So when God realized that there was this man called Noah and his family who were righteous in their generation, who were looking after him and searching him, he decided that he was going to make a way for that family to be saved from what was to come. Now, you have to remember, we're talking about God. God could have snapped his finger and made everything go away and start all over. He could have just said the word, and things would have been different. Instead, God gave Noah a task to build an ark. He gave him instructions that were very precise, how big it was going to be, what materials were going to be used. He even told him how to code it so that it would float. Did you know that? God was that precise that he gave him exactly the materials that he needed in order to build that ark so that it would be successful in being a vehicle for salvation. When God does a plan, he does a plan. He does it perfect. And so the scripture tells us that he told Noah that he was to store in that ark every kind of food that is eaten, that he was to bring two of every kind of animal and seven pairs of the clean animals, male and female, and a pair of the animals that are not clean and seven pairs of the birds of the air male and female, to keep them alive on the face of the earth after the flood. God's plan was to repopulate the earth with everything that was going into this one ark. That's pretty ambitious. Think about that. God was going to renew everything that he had created through this effort. By the way, if you read your scripture carefully, Noah was 600 years old when God told him to build the ark. So I don't ever want to hear you say you're too old for anything God has called you to. He was 600 years old. We thought Abraham and Sarah had it tough raising a child at, you know, 90-something and almost 100. We're talking about 600. I mean, I can't even fathom 600. And Noah had to build an ark. And not only that, when he gets called to build the ark, there was not a drop of rain coming down. So every single one of his neighbors thought that Noah lost his mind. Every single one of the people around him that was doing as they pleased and going about their business thought, man, that Noah, he is way off his rocker. He's building this huge boat. There's not even a lake around here. And what is he doing? Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives entered the ark. And you might have not noticed this in the scripture, which is why I'm pointing it out to you. They entered the ark seven days before it began to rain. So if you think the neighbors were making fun of him before when he built the ark, I just want you to imagine his neighbors as he's living in this ark full of animals and all kinds of supplies 
for seven days without a drop of rain. I mean, the level of mockery must have been through the roof. Why? Because they didn't believe anything was going to happen. Well, you pretty much know the story from there, don't you? It rained and rained and rained 40 days and 40 nights. And you know what happened as the water level began to rise? That ark began to rise with it because it started floating in that water. And then as they looked out from the ark, they began to see whole areas disappear underwater. Have you ever seen a flooded place where it starts covering the houses and rising and rising and you're going, oh, if it rises anymore, you won't be able to see that house. And there's some places where if you look at footage, there's just water and there used to be a house there. It's underwater. And what happened was that as they're looking out during these 40 days and 40 nights of rain after rain after rain, the mountains begin to disappear. The peaks get swallowed up. The scripture tells us that the waters were deep enough that no land was visible anywhere. Nowhere was there dry land anymore. Scripture tells us that God had to open the gates from heaven so that there would be enough water to flood the earth because there isn't enough water on earth to flood it. God had to provide extra water in order for this to happen. Even after, after it had stopped raining, even after everything that went on, there was no land to be seen for quite a long time because there was so much water. And I don't know if you've ever seen what happens when it rains and rains and rains. In my backyard, I get a pool because the water has nowhere to go. Now imagine that over 40 days and 40 nights. There was just too much water and there's nowhere for it to go. You know what God has to do? God has to send a strong wind to begin to dry up the water because otherwise it would have remained. There was nowhere for it to go. And here is Noah and his family stuck in the ark. It had rained 40 days, 40 nights, and then for 150 days, the water swelled all over the earth. In other words, there was water everywhere. I want you to do the math. 40 days plus 150, 290 plus days of everything covered in water. You thought the COVID shutdown was bad because you were in your house for three or four months. This is Noah, his family, and two of every kind of animal plus seven of the clean and, and, and the birds of the air in a ark that probably smelled wonderful for over five months because it wasn't enough that the water was everywhere. They could not see any land. And the scripture says that it took a long time before the ark came to hit the top of a mountain that peaked out of the water. 
Finally, the water had gone down enough that the ark came to rest on that place. And then Noah began to send birds out. First a raven and then a dove every seven days. And every day the dove will come back. Every seven days the dove will return. He's like, not yet. This went on and on and on. It took nearly a year for all of this to take place before God told him that it was okay to come out when the dove did not return. The dove had left and found a place where it could make a nest and stay out, and it did not come back. Now, you have to admit that this is an incredible backstory to the scripture that we're reading today. If you haven't read the story, I really encourage you to go back and to read what happened. When Noah got off the ark, I imagine that he had that same reaction that you have when you get out of the car after your teenager drove you around, you kiss the ground, and you're so thankful that you're alive. I mean, he, he must have gotten out of that ark and just went down face first on the ground and just hugged the ground, and the scripture says that he immediately prepared a sacrifice out of those animals, those seven pairs that he had. He prepared a sacrifice to the Lord to thank him for saving his life and the life of his family. And when God saw his sacrifice, the scripture says it went up before him like a fragrant offering. And when God received that offering, God said to Noah, as for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, every animal on the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God was basically saying there will never be another reset like this one. The next time we do something like this is going to be the final judgment. There's not going to be another reset like this one. This is it. I make a covenant. I make a promise. I won't do this again. And as a reminder of that promise, I'm going to put a bow in the clouds, a rainbow, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between God and the earth and everything that breathes upon the earth. And I will keep that covenant. And every time the clouds go out and it begins to rain and you see the rainbow, it's going to be a reminder that I'll never do that again. What this tells me is that it grieved God that he had to bring the flood upon the earth. It grieved him to have to do it, but his righteousness could not bear the evil that was going on. His righteousness could not entertain, allowing it to continue as it was. But it wasn't something that God wanted he brought the flood because the evil and the violence of the earth had gotten to intolerable levels and his wrath could not be held back. 
God knew the only way to get humanity back on track was this reset, but he didn't like it. He didn't like having to go this way. God told Noah, this is an everlasting covenant. This covenant is good forever. I will not destroy the earth through water ever again. And forever the rainbow will appear in the sky, reminding everyone that God has established this covenant never to take us out through water. Now, if you read ahead, you know that the way it all ends is take, being taken out by fire, which I don't know that it's any better. But at least we know it won't be water because God has promised that's not going to be the way that judgment will come. But you see, we need reminders. We are getting forgetful by nature. Throughout the history of the Israelite people, for example, God always told them to set themselves memorials, to set themselves altars, to set themselves stones, things that would remind them of where God had brought them from and where he was taking them, of what God had done, of what God had delivered them from. They needed to have these reminders because otherwise they would forget. And the rainbow is an everlasting reminder of the story of Noah and the flood and how God made a way for Noah to be saved with his family from the flood because we'll forget otherwise. You know, sometimes I walk into a room now and I can't remember why I went. And it bothers me terribly. I know that never happens to any of you. But God wanted us to remember not just the flood. He wanted us to remember the promise. He wanted us to remember that those who are righteous before him will be saved like Noah's family was saved. And that those who are evil will perish. They're destined for destruction. Not through water, but through fire. But that we need to remember that if we're righteous before God, he will save us. If we stand before him and plead for him, he will come to our aid. God knew the importance of reminders. You see, the story of Noah is a cautionary tale warning us that God's wrath can only be held back for so long. That God's wrath will only be held back for so long. That there is a point at which the evil of humanity will be so great that God's righteousness will have no choice but to bring judgment. And that at that point, you want to be like Noah. You want to be obeying God's commandment. You want to be building that ark. You want to be jumping on the ship. And you see in Scripture, many of our Scriptures are foreshadowings of what is to come. They tell us something about what God is going to do in the future. The ark was a foreshadowing of Jesus who becomes our salvation. He provides a way for us to be found righteous before God even when we don't deserve it. And the flood reminds us that there will be a time of tribulation and trial on this earth where things are going to get worse. And we still need to remain faithful. Where people are going to make fun of you because of your faith. And you still need to keep it. 
or people won't understand your walk with Jesus, but you better keep walking it. This, this scripture just reminds us that there is salvation in Jesus coming, but that you got to get on the boat. You got to accept him. You got to welcome him. You got to let him transform your life. The reemergence of the earth after the flood reminds us of the resurrection of Jesus after three days in the tomb. Think about this. All hope was lost for Noah as he looks out and there's just water and water and water. And he's wondering, how long can we keep this up in this boat? How long can we continue to survive on the rations that we brought? I wonder if the food supply was starting to run low and if they were counting down the days until they started eating the animals that they had brought to save. I wonder if there was moments of desperation where they said, God, we just can't go on much longer. And yet, when that land emerged from under the waters, it brought hope back that this was coming to an end. And in a way, when Jesus was raised from the dead, hope was brought back to his disciples who were so desperate for something to change. They had lost everything at the crucifixion, their master, their savior, their friend. The resurrection signaled for them that the story wasn't over, that there was more to come. And I think that for Noah, that was the same experience. One of the things that is often lost in the sharing of the scripture is the amount of love that God had to have to allow Noah and his family to survive this flood to start over, knowing that their descendants would become Abraham and the people of God that he chose, who would turn around and reject his own son and then put him on a cross. Think about this. If you knew somebody you were going to save was going to kill your son or daughter, would you still save them? Most of us would be like, uh-uh, let him die. Let him go. The amount of love that God had to have to save Noah and his family, knowing the future, knowing what would happen, is an incredible amount of love. It's just unfathomable. You just can't imagine it. God loved us to that point that he knew that saving Noah would mean that he would have to come in the flesh and he would die for our sins. That's why God wanted to establish the covenant with Noah. He wanted to let him know that there was a different way that the covenants that he made were everlasting, that they never ended, that even when Noah's generations would go against God, he would still not relent on his promises. And I think that's so important. You know, God makes covenants with us, and we don't always keep our part, but God always keeps his, because he is truth and he is life, and he can do no other. But we need to be reminded of the covenant. We need to be reminded of what God has done to save us. 
And we need to remember that God's actions are always a display of a God who gives second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and infinite chances to people who are willing to repent and to come to him. When Jesus came, if you remember, he was asked, how many times should I forgive? Seventy times seven. What was the idea? That God is always there willing to save us and to forgive us and to show us grace. The rainbow was a reminder that our God is a God of second chances, a God that offers grace and forgiveness when we repent and a God that makes a way for our salvation even when we don't know how it's all going to play out. I bet you if you had asked Noah how long he would be in the ark, he would have never said a year. He would have never imagined it would be so long a journey. But he was willing to do it because he was obedient to God. One of the most Amazing qualities of Noah is that every time God told him to do something, the scripture says Noah just did it. He didn't go, oh God, I got a better idea on this design for the boat. God, you know, I, I really think we should put this off. There's not a drop of rain. He never put an excuse. I, I'm just too old, God. We can't do this right now. I'm 600 years old. Maybe my children can do it. He did not question God's commands. He simply did what God ordered him to. God would continue to save him and further generations out of his love for us. And ultimately, through his descendants, came Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And it all began with a terrible flood and a rainbow. It all began with a promise to make a way to save us before anyone else, and it is, before anyone else used it, God used the rainbow as a sign of his covenant. Nowadays, people use it for all kinds of reasons. But God used it first to remind us that he was making an agreement to provide a way for us to be saved. I pray that every time we see a rainbow, we remember God's love for us and his promise in Jesus Christ to save us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this word. I thank you, O Lord, because it's a scripture that we don't often visit, but maybe we should. I thank you, Lord, because I know that your covenants are everlasting, that when you say that you'll give us forgiveness and grace through Jesus Christ, you mean it. Then when you say that you won't destroy the earth through a flood again, you mean it. And that when you say that if we come to you and repent of our sin, you'll give us life, you mean it. I ask, O oh Lord, that every time we see a rainbow, we will be reminded of your great love and of your covenant with us. Help us, Lord, to keep our part of the covenant. Help us to obey your commands and to follow you and to seek after nothing else. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is always open if you'd like to come for prayer. If you want to pray by yourself, you can go between the green markers. If you come anywhere else, somebody from our prayer team will be glad to pray with you as we worship.